Welcome back, Bears fans, to the CHGO Bears podcast. It is Friday, and I am excited to be here with you. This is Will DeWitt. Joined with me is Nicholas Moriano, and we are here to send you into the 4th of July weekend with a pretty full episode talking about the Chicago Bears coaches. We're going to rank them like we did some Bears players last week in order of importance. And if you're watching here on YouTube, your eyes did not deceive you. You did see Greg Braggs <laughs> underneath Nick and I there for just a second. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so Greg is producing for us today. And uh, of course, Greg, you're a Bears guy. If any moment you want to jump on and share some thoughts on any of these coaches, like I'm not going to stop you uh, whatsoever. But Nick, what's going on, man? Nothing much, Will. Uh, I was going to ask you, what do you have planned for the 4th of July weekend? It's weird that it falls on a Tuesday, 4th mm -hmm. of July, but anything big planned uh, for this upcoming weekend? Uh, we're going to let my uh, oldest, AJ, is going to go up to see the grandparents for a week and hang out with some cousins, so we'll get a little bit of like nice. extra freedom around the house. But with a baby, uh, we're thinking about trying fireworks. We didn't do it last year mm -hmm. because he was still kind of like in that newborn early infancy, but now that he's... 19 months we bought some of those noise canceling headphones mm -hmm. i think we're gonna dabble in some fireworks i'm gonna be grilling up some good food and you know hang out with some people down here how about you dude yeah it's fourth of july is a weird holiday for me now with now that we got brady the dog like he this is the worst time of the year for him so we'll see what we end up doing we might go hang out with some friends on one of the uh, over the weekend but this guy's going to be heavily medicated so he doesn't have to go through all the uh, the fireworks and the explosion because I used to love doing that, blowing off fireworks and, you know, kind of having our own little show in our, our driveway now. But it's a little different now that I'm 28 and have a, have a dog that just just hates him, hates him well. So it's a little different. We're growing up so fast. <laughs> it doesn't stop whatsoever. And yeah, I've been behind the scenes and we'll talk about it probably in the middle of the show, but I've been, uh, I built a couple websites this week for us. If you go to chglocker.com, it's revamped new features. It looks really nice. Same thing with the DNVR locker and got to keep continue around this all city train, but yeah, it's been a, a good week of uh, some good momentum and that such. And if you sign up for text alerts on the locker, you can get 10% off now. Just saying, Ooh. an extra incentive to go there and buy some shirts. We have a brand new one that just dropped this week, the future of the league, Connor Bedard, CHGO, Blackhawk shirt. It's, it's really awesome. Go check it out. But, Nick, am I missing anything? Uh, I know I told people at the top that we're going to be, of course, ranking these Bears coaches. We're going to go down our pecking order, our top 10, 10 through 1. Uh, I know in the headline I posed a question, is Fluce number one? People will have to tune in here and stick with mm -hmm. us uh, to find out. But anything else you want to say before we officially kick this off? I'll just say that when we both ranked our, our coaches, like, and you said it too, like there was a good consensus on, you know, how we, how we thought about these coaches. But I almost have an issue, and it's, it's we both had this number 10 coach, I have an issue with it. So we'll, we'll go right into it. And I'll kind of tell you why. <laughs> yeah, we did that. I, I know it's one of those things. We'll do it right now. We'll rip it off. Oh, wow. I haven't said that in years, like a bandaid. <laughs> <laughs> what a slogan that was a uh, number 10. And I'm thank God Adam's not here. So I'm going to say, mm -hmm. but we have Richard Hightower, special teams coordinator ranked as our 10th most important coach here on this team. And I put number one uh, on my notes here probably would get chewed out if Adam was on the show, because like you, Nick, we were, there's a consensus here and he didn't end up being obviously higher on our list, but special teams is so important. Hightower has a lot of workout for him between now training camp and a regular season. I'm surprised he didn't make it higher on our list. Yes. And we both had, um, I think nine when we, when we did it, but Look, Richard Hightower has a very tough job, and every single special teams coordinator does, but you work with so many different players throughout the entirety of, of the roster, every single different position. There's rule changes that seem to be happening every single year, and I just think that, you know, because it's special teams, maybe it gets overlooked a little bit, but, look, I just want to put it out there, like, a lot of respect for Richard Hightower, a lot of yes. respect for what he does, how he approaches his business. And look, he has a tough task with trying to find who's going to be the, the number one punt returner on this team. And Cairo Santos had a slump with extra points, has to get that down and getting different players to fill in on kickoff and coverage teams. So a lot goes into it. I just want to say that we both respect the hell out of what Richard Hightower does, but comes in at number 10 on our list. 
I mean, the reason why, I mean, the third phase, it can win games, it can lose games. We've seen both ends of this spectrum, really to the like the most extreme levels. Uh, but he has a tough job because the third phase in special teams, a lot of usually inexperienced players, rookies, younger guys in this league, guys who aren't starting level players. And it's his job to put them in the right position, coach them up, and really to have them buy into being contributors on that third phase too. It's not really everyone's cup of tea and he needs to make sure that they are fully engaged and like you like who's going to be the punt returner bayless is dante pettis even going to make the team and if so is he in the mix what about tyler scott he didn't return punts in college but the bears are giving him some looks over there kick returner you have herbert abner bayless maybe some other people in that mix there too and i think his biggest job right now maybe one of the more important ones is finding a way to get Cairo Santos like like back on track like field goals wise last year he had good marks but the fact that he only hit 84 percent of those extra points last year he had that weird issue where he was missing a lot of those point after attempts which was worst in the league by the way that 84 percent only three kickers mm-hmm. in the entire league kicked below 90 percent uh, for their extra points so they need to figure that one out uh, for sure because I expect the Bears to score more touchdowns, Nick. And I don't want to be missing mm-hmm. all those extra points. No, that, that's a really good point. And, you know, a big part of, you know, hopefully Cairo Santos just being consistent in all areas of the kicking game is going to be with Richard Hightower and kind of what they figure out is going to be best for him moving forward. I think he did a better job after that, that I guess, brief stint that where he was missing extra points just wasn't consistent. But it's on Richard Hightower to help him figure that out. And it's obviously the consistency with the holder and the snapper and things like that. But again, just want to put it out there. Richard Hightower is, is very important on this in Bears roster just comes in at number 10 on our list. And as Gary says here, how will Hightower finally get scales to the pro bowl? You know, that's of course, that was the number one reason why mm-hmm. I moved it down to 10 and not up higher in the list, Gary. <laughs> All right, so that's it for number 10. Let's move into number nine. And Nick, I'll let you introduce coach number nine on our list. Yeah, our number nine coach is a first-year Bears coach, someone who's going to have a lot of young players to to kind of work with this season. It's it's John Hoke, who is the cornerback slash passing game coordinator for the Bears, who is actually uh, on the Bears coaching staff. I think in 2013, if I, if I have that correct, but someone who's familiar with the organization, but now is a part of this new regime. But this is a guy that, like I said earlier, he has a lot of young players he's going to be mm-hmm. working with. Obviously, Kyler Gordon going to his second season, Tyreek Stevenson being a rookie. And I know we look at Jalen Johnson as obviously a veteran. Dude's only 24 years old, Will, which is kind <sighs> of crazy in a way to think, but mm-hmm. he's still a young player that can develop and get better with each and every coaching point that he gets from a guy like John Hoke. And I just look at how the secondary was playing last season with not a lot of help from maybe the linebackers and the defensive line. They were doing some pretty good things. And you just want to see that unit, the cornerbacks, just ascend still with a new coach in place. So John Hoke uh, comes on at number nine on our list. Yeah, Hoke comes in. He has to build chemistry rapport with all these guys, you know, command that respect, and they're going to be taught a little different in this scheme. Mm -hmm. The scheme remains the same, but you know some of those coaching points, those priorities, and just like some of the techniques are going to be a little bit different. And I think having Kyler Gordon having more of a singular focus on a position now at nickel is going to really help Gordon out. And it's going to be up to John here to make sure Gordon is firing and all cylinders there in that slot corner position. But on top of that, Nick, like he comes in and he is, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but at least according to the bears website, the defensive passing game coordinator too. Mm-hmm. So he's going to do more than just coach up the corners. He's going to be involved with the safeties, the new linebackers that came in, like the entire pass defense strategies, coverages, all of those things, working closely with Alan Williams, the defensive coordinator, just to make sure they're on the same page. Like he's going to have a lot on his place. So he comes in right away with a lot to do and a lot to prove. And he comes in with the defense that last year gave up the seventh highest passer rating in the league at 94.4. Obviously pass rush. was a part of that equation or the lack thereof, but yeah, Hoke, I, I think I'm excited to see, how we can challenge this young secondary, these young corners specifically, because outside the starters, we still have Josh Blackwell. You have some of these other guys that were undrafted guys that came in 
to step up. So it's a very young group from top to bottom, really. So I'm excited to see what Hoke can do. And on top of being the defensive passing game coordinator, which does carry a lot more responsibilities instead of just being a singular position coach. Yeah, no, absolutely. And this is a guy that you just look, you go on the Chicago Bears website and look at his coaching experience, 42 years of coaching experience and 18 seasons in the NFL, which is an absurd amount uh, of years that he's been coaching and doing this with different players and just getting a lot out of them. I mean, you look at the last time he was here, Charles Tillman and Tim Jennings, you know, mm, were, were pro bowlers point. Mm-hmm. At, at, at that position. And the Bears haven't had, you know, pro bowlers at, you know, the the cornerback position probably since what, Kyle Fuller at one point. But it, it's, it would be great to see if he can get these young playmakers to not only buy into what he likes to do as a coach, but to just show out on the football field and create those turnovers, become those guys that could be difference makers. And I think the I think the Bears have the players in place. We just got to see it all. I, a word I love to say come to fruition on the football field. And I think Hoke, with the experience, even though it's his first year, can get a lot out of these guys. Yeah, so he was the Bears DBs coach. Uh, you know, I was only a child at this time, but from 2009 to 2014. Uh, so that's a very uh, important time. And the good news is, if you want to take it, uh, you know, one step further here, real quick, similar system, the Tampa two. Like it is, yep. like we're right back to it. And you mentioned Tim Jennings, and that put a smile on my face because I don't think Tim gets enough credit for what he was able to do here in Chicago. But that 2012-2013 seasons back to back. That dude had 13 interceptions, and if my quick math looking at this comes correctly, 34 pass breakups in those two seasons. And that's with Hoke here. So getting the hands on the football and turnovers and takeaways. So Hoke almost closed this browser. Holy shit. All right. (laughs) That would have been bad. I clicked the wrong tab. Uh, So, yeah, getting Hoke here uh, I think is a good gift for the Bears. The fact that you reminded me he was here once before, and the Bears secondary was at a playing at a high level in a very similar scheme at the time. It's time to, you know, wind back the clock, repeat it, and do it again Chicago. Good call there, Nick. And I think Hoke is going to, you know, prove his worth, prove that he should be back here. And there's a reason why he's number nine here on our list. All right, let's move into number eight. We're going to go offense here, wide receivers coach, and passing game coordinator, Tyke Tolbert. And I'm surprised Tyke wasn't higher on the list. I think I ranked him like fifth uh, on my list, which shows where you must have put him here. Uh, But still, like, to be the wide receivers coach, and to be passing game coordinators huge. I'm going to let you kind of dive into your analysis. And I'll fill in some of the pieces as we go. Yeah, no, I, I really like Tyke Tolbert. I just look at it. He almost maybe out of the coaches that we still have um, yet to list here. I don't want to say it's almost easier, but he does have a lot of guys in that room. And DJ mm-hmm. Moore makes Tyke's job a lot easier. And Darnell Mooney, when he comes back, Chase Claypool. But there's like those two guys that I just named, Claypool and Mooney. Obviously, you want to see them be the most productive versions of themselves in 2023. And I, you know, just seeing, just kind of telling you what I've seen from from Tyke Tolbert. I love how like hands on he is with his position group. You see him a lot of times. He'll put on the punching glove, and when these guys are making a catch, he's just trying to punch the ball out. He's challenging them and trying to get the best out of them on each and every rep, regardless of what practice, uh, you know, portion and practice they're trying to do. So I really like the energy he brings. I just look at the group as a whole. There is some talent in that wide receiver room. So it kind of makes his job a little easier when you have a guy like DJ Moore. And I, I, I expect Darnell Mooney to come back, even though, um, you know, he's obviously dealing with the foot injury to be still a very productive player. And then whatever you get out of Chase Claypool. So you have a good um just top end of guys right there so tyke tolbert i think i forgot exactly where i ranked him on our list but i know yet like you said you were higher on him yeah it's just in terms of importance because you mentioned um, i i think how you just said it was you know get whatever you can out of claypool like i'm challenging tyke this season to not just get whatever you can i want to see claypool's potential being tapped into and i want to see that on sundays i want to see him be a vital part of this offense someone that can really help change games i know we have dj Moore, but you can't have too many good pass catchers to stress defenses so that's what i want to see and what about valus jones jr like his rookie Mm -hmm, season that role wasn't what everyone kind of envisioned heading in so how do we turn that around what kind of role does tyler scott play in this offense and how can you make the most out of his what i would expect to be I'm going to say limited reps, not in a bad way, but just when you look at the like the share, the target share, it's not going to be, you know, the same as Moore, the same as Mooney, probably Claypool, 
other guys on his offense out of the backfield, tight end room, what have you. So how do you tap into that? And as a passing game coordinator, like he's going to be working closely with Getsy to develop passing concept plays, strategies to get fields playing at that highest level passable. On top of that, working with the tight ends coach, running backs room, because it's all kind of connected mm-hmm. offensive linemen too for protections and schemes and just make sure everyone's on the same page. So yeah, I, I just think it's going to be very important, whether it's weekly strategies, looking at opponents, and like how we're going to adjust our passing game this week. Like Tyke's doing more than just coaching the wide receivers, and I think that's why I'm excited why we're doing the show because we can kind of give a glimpse into that, allow our listeners to understand that as we're watching this season. Like Tyke Tolbert's like fingerprints is going to be all over this passing offense. Like everyone's going to talk about Luke Getzey because he's the big name, but Tyke Tolbert behind the scenes as that passing game coordinator, like you can't sneeze or even dismiss like what kind of impact and the importance he's going to play on either the success or what I'm hoping not failure of this Bears offense this season. Yeah, and this is another guy like John Hoke. I mean, look, 20 years of coaching experience in the mm-hmm. NFL, so two more on top of John Hoke. So a lot of the Bears coaches that they currently have, you know, these guys have been doing this for a while. And, you know, you can look at that in a negative way or in a positive way, but I, I'd like to think that, you know, you take something from each stop, regardless of where you've been, how successful or unsuccessful you've been at that position, and try to make the best version of yourself in – you know, the latest year coming up and that's 2023 for the bears second one for Tyke Tolbert. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. And like I said, the energy he brings consistently, you're going to see if you go to training camp and if there's a coach yelling out and running down the, like the sideline, I I'm willing to bet it's Tyke Tolbert. He did that last year. He's been doing that in OTAs in, in mini camp. So watch out for Tyke Tolbert running down, trying to catch his wide receivers, but he, he's a high energy guy. Well, let me ask you guys this. Because, you know, with DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, they're all seasoned vets. They've had success in this league. So, yeah, you got to coach them up to understand what their role is in that regard. But I think his biggest job is to get Valus Jones. Everybody talks about what Valus Jones is going to do on special Mm -hmm. teams. But at the end of the year last year, Valus started to make progress on the offensive side of the ball. Made a nice catch downfield, coming under a football about 40 yards downfield to the right side underneath the corner. And then he had that, what, jet sweep for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I, I, to me, speed is so important in this league. And and when you have a guy that's in motion in the backfield pre-snap and getting eyes off of Justin Fields, even for a split second where Justin can use that misdirection to keep it and maybe go to the house, you know, untouched like we saw a couple times, how important is it that Ty Tolbert gets Valus Jones to another step this year? I think it's highly important. I mentioned that uh, when I was going through my spiel just a little bit, Greg, just because, I mean, the Bears invested a third round pick in Bayless and you don't just like he had one, you know, subpar rookie season. And I know you drafted another receiver and you got DJ Moore in the building now, but you don't just give up on Bayless. There's something there. And I remember after Bayless got drafted, just listen to Ryan Poles. Uh, yeah. Who I almost... Got the other one out there too. I see. I need to be on the show more because I'm just like second guessing which P word needs to come out of my mouth. But <laughs> like listening to the poll speak about him and how highly he was and mentioning Debo specifically multiple times, I'm provoked. Still makes me believe that polls believes that Vegas has potential and can be a impactful player on this football team, given the right role and the right circumstances. And I think it's highly important. And I think Ty Tolbert would be his biggest ally if they can find a way to get Bayless going and again like we have to look past this year next year maybe there isn't a Chase Claypool maybe Darnell doesn't earn that contract extension those are just unknowns I'm not saying those will happen but those are just unknowns it's a good point because Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney only have one year left on their contract still with Mm -hmm. a lot to prove the only guys that have you know um, years here still are DJ Moore and Bayless Jones Mm-hmm. So that is a good point in regards to that, because there are no guarantees with Chase and Darnell as much as we hope it works out for both of them. Yeah, no doubt. And just kind of wrap up the discussion on Tyke Tolbert. I think a good reflection on this goes for any coach is what can they do in terms of like the bottom end guys? How, mm-hmm. how productive can they be? Because we know DJ Moore is talented. We've seen Darnell Mooney produce in this league, uh, but it's like, how can you elevate the bottom half? to be productive and 
And that's what I think a good reflection of a coach can show you if those guys are starting to, you know, gain more confidence, maybe get more looks. Well, it's because of probably what they're doing with their position coaches and the trust they're getting from him that trickles down to Getsy, Janoko, and everybody else, their quarterback, obviously. But I think that's always a good reflection of how good a coach really is, the bottom end doing stuff that you maybe wouldn't expect uh, otherwise. I find it fascinating. I saw this comment here from uh, Daniel just saying EQ is pretty good. Like The fact that we didn't even bring up EQ at all throughout this conversation, I, I think it's interesting. I don't think we need to unpack why that didn't happen, but I do find it uh, just interesting, and I want to put a pin in that to kind of keep tabs on it. And I just want to thank uh, Kitty Hawkins94, who congratulated uh, me on the adoption of AJ last week. And I just want to know, did you know you can comment on YouTube now in StreamYard? Like, that's pretty cool. That was a discussion uh, yesterday. I think they literally just added this mm-hmm. feature, Will, which makes it so much more convenient because probably like you, I had you had another tab open, muted it, there you go on your phone. But it's a very nice, convenient tool that we can interact and say hello, just like hello. that. Hello. Thank you. Boom. Yeah. So thank you, StreamYard, uh, because you're making mm-hmm. our jobs easier and allowing us to interact with our listeners and audience in real time. and. You don't pay our bills, but we probably pay yours, but <laughs> I still want to say thank you so much. All right, let's get into coach number seven, and we're still sticking with offense here. We're going to go with David Walker, the running backs coach. Nick, why was he ranked so, I was going to say high, but I mean, we're only at seven, but why did he rank where he did for you? Yeah, and I so like you, I don't want to close the wrong tab because I did have my rankings on here as well to kind of see exactly where I put him. Oh, I found it. Nice. Uh, so David Walker, I had him, and... Oh, we both had him at seven. We literally both had him at seven. Consensus. Yeah, I think for me, like when you look at the running backs that he has, there is there's a little bit of uncertainty and at the same time uh established veteran presence. And when you look at Walker or Deontay Foreman, Khalil Herbert's going to year three now. Roshan Johnson obviously being a rookie. Also throw Travis Homer and Tristan Abner in there. They have a lot of backs. And when I look at what David Walker's job is going to be, I don't think he needs to necessarily find who's the number one. Mm. He has to just find who's going to work in a, what's going to be a running back by committee approach. And so I think it almost in a way makes his job a little bit easier because he has more guys that I think he already trusts at this point. They haven't even put on pads yet, but yet when, when I talked to David Walker, like that wasn't an issue, not having a solidified number one guy. He's like, this makes my job easier because I do have guys that can do a lot of great things. And I think once we see the pads come on, maybe that's where David Walker is going to find a little bit more trust in whatever running back that may be. But the group itself is a little, again, there's, there's a bit of unprovenness. There's a bit of, Hey, look, Khalil Herbert is one of the best running backs in the Mm -hmm. league in terms of yards per carry. So there's a lot there. And I think with David Walker, it's just going to be about seeing what works best on a given drive versus a given team. And that's why he's the coach of this this squad right here. And that's going to be a big part of, you know, getting the most out of this running back room. Right. And he's going to work with Getze uh, on that, too, in terms of just giving his straight up advice and opinion. Like, I think, you know, Khalil, Khalil should be the guy this week or maybe it's Foreman. Maybe it's Rojo. Maybe Roshan Johnson can be, you know, carve out a hefty role. And you still have Ebner around, Travis Homer, someone that they signed. Like, it's easy, but it's going to be difficult all at the same time to figure out the best way to either divvy up these touches or find out who you want to lean on, drive-specific, play-specific, game-specific. There's a lot of variables here, and Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be interesting to see how he can leverage what we talked about and ranked all these positional groups before like this is a very complete and a very strong group from top to bottom. There's a lot of talent here and it's going to be up to David Walker to figure out the best way to utilize that talent. And it's going to be a challenge, but it's a better situation and a better challenge than had to have than just having a, a guy and then no one behind them and just kind of, you know, praying and crossing your fingers that he doesn't get hurt and then trying to scramble after the fact. So I think David Walker, very important here uh, this week, but, Personally, I would have had, I think, Tyke higher than him, which I think I did, but it's okay. That's why we do a consensus list, and he's number seven on our shared list. Anything else about David Walker before we hit our first break? Yeah, no, I think just, with, with, again, with David Walker, like the Bears obviously were 
one of the best in the best running rushing attack last season mix in Justin Fields with that. So you don't want to see any drop off. You don't have David Montgomery now. So it is a different, obviously, room as you're looking mm-hmm. at it in 2023. So it's just going to be important for, for David Walker to still get the most out of this group because that's still going to be a, a big focus of this offense, rushing the football, incorporating Justin Fields in that to hopefully open up the pass game as well. So just want to keep that going as you're you know looking at this offense to improve in 2023. Absolutely. His job just changes uh, a little bit compared to last year and how he can shift his role and those priorities uh, is going to be key uh, for the Bears without question this mm-hmm. year. So good point there, Nick. And I know Gary's in the, in the chat saying like, you know, Ebner's not going to make the team. A, let's get through training camp. But B, neither Nick Iyer said he was going to make the final 53-man roster here on the show either. But let's go ahead, Nick. I, I think you're up first here for our break, and then we'll get back to ranking some Bears coaches. Yeah, I have to tell everybody about Lewis University. Many of the students that attend Lewis University are adults just like you. Many have full-time jobs and or families, and all of them chose Lewis's supportive educational community to help make their transition back to school as easy as possible to earn a respected degree. 35 miles southwest of Chicago, Romeoville, ranked as one of U.S. News and World Report's top-tier colleges, and Lewis partners with numerous employers for tuition discounts and offers evening online and blended formats to help you balance work, family, and education. And faculty bring real-world experience and instruction to the classroom, which is immediately relevant to your career. And they also offer career support and academic resources for adult students. Whether you're looking to complete your bachelor's or maybe your master's degree or enroll in a professional certificate program, Lewis has the right program for you guaranteed. And Lewis offers several career-focused programs that will set you up for success. And we're just going to highlight one here. Let's go maybe the computer science, which has eight eight week sessions, can be completed in one year. That's convenient. Uh, concentrates in software engineering, artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, digital forensics, enterprise and cloud computing. I did not obviously go into this program, but you can go in there and find out exactly what all that means. And also, if you're looking at something else, they also have adult undergraduate programs in aviation maintenance technology certificate, business analytics, criminal justice. I thought I was going to be a lawyer, and then I figured out I don't really like uh, anything that goes on there. (laughs) So then I went to journalism. But here's the most important part, everybody. You can discover how a degree from Lewis can help you build a better world and learn more at lewisu.edu forward slash you can do this. And one more time, that's lewisu.edu forward slash you can do this. Awesome. You know, it's Friday, which means it is a sunny side summer Friday here at CHGO and sunny side dispensary is, you know, I live in Indiana, but whenever I make it into the city, Nick, you know, why I like to make a stop before I go over to your house. Mm-hmm that I love to go. They're just super welcoming. They're knowledgeable of all their products. Uh, I love their upbeat, positive energy. And I'm just confident when I leave Sunnyside, I'm going to get the bang for my buck and I'm getting a really good product that I can enjoy legally in Illinois. So Sunnyside is your home for judgment-free cannabis shopping, a place where all kinds of visitors are welcome to explore, discover, and purchase a wide array of high quality products. It's your one-stop shop for all your cannabis needs, no matter where you are in your cannabis journey, easy online ordering and in-store pickup, great transparent loyalty program, the Sunnyside Rewards. And it's just like, like I said, one it is like my favorite dispensary in the city uh, without question. And since it is Friday, you know, I'm excited to get done with this podcast. I put a lot of work on this week. I'm excited to head into this holiday weekend. And speaking of, you know, feeling good, the moment that I felt probably the best this week in Chicago sports is when the Blackhawks were able to leverage that first overall pick in the NHL draft to get Connor Bedard. And I'm excited to see how he can shape not just the future of the Blackhawks, but really the future of the NHL as a whole. And just talking about a couple of their, you know, products and the brands right now. I really like Wonder, the Wonder Wellness Company. Uh, they want to make the world of cannabis simple to understand, easy to experience for everyone. The brand's low dose formulations offered in gummies and mints allow people to control their high, which is pretty good. And whether it's for micro dosing throughout the day or just easing into their cannabis experience, really good stuff there at Wonder. So right now through August, head into Sunnyside.shop and use code CHGO25 at checkout for 25% off your total order. One use per customer 
That's not stackable with any other promotions. And that's all, not only for new customers, but anyone can use our code. So pick up everything you need to elevate your summer heading into the 4th of July weekend. And of course, you must be 21 or older and an Illinois medical card holder. All right. Real quickly, before we get back into the things, you know, I mentioned Connor Bedard during that read and something, uh, again, it's a really exciting time and we dropped a brand new shirt this week over on the CHGO locker. So definitely go check it out. It's the future of the league shirt. It's really cool to celebrate this moment for Chicago sports, this moment in time as we're about to embark on a new journey here for Chicago hockey. So to go check out this shirt to celebrate the moment and, uh, you know, the Back to the Future is one of my favorite trilogies of all time. The Hawks, of course, my favorite hockey team. And I, I just love this collaboration here. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, I put a lot of work into our locker website and hopefully you enjoy your experience. Yeah, no, I already uh, enjoyed the work that you put in, Will, because I went on the our locker, CHO locker, and bought the Future of the League shirt. And it just has a nice nostalgic feel to it, just the look of it. And I can't wait until that gets here so I can rock it. And, you know, get back into Black, you know, the Blackhawks hockey. Like, I'm going to be completely honest, tuned out with how they've been playing with everything going on but now there's a new there's just a new feeling in in the Mm -hmm. city with with a guy like Connor Bernard so I'm really excited for that absolutely all right let's get back into some Bears talk and continue our ranking of Bears coaches we gave you coaches 10 through 7 let's get into coach number six which is Travis Smith the defensive line coach which Nick he has a huge season ahead of him because he has developed guys like Javon Dexter Zach Pickens and Travis Bell, a lot of young rookies. Mm -hmm. The Bears really invested in defensive line in the draft, which makes Travis Smith's job, I think, a little bit difficult, but also just super important to get these guys to not just developing, but also in a spot where they can contribute here in year one. No, no doubt about it. I mean, when you look at the defensive line as a whole, you feel a lot better about the interior right now than you do the the edges, but for Travis Smith, this is a, a huge year for him because, like you said, not only the rookies that you need to develop, teach them the game, and you know all those little intangibles that come with being a rookie, but for guys like Travis Gibson and Dominique mm-hmm. Robinson, who have a lot to prove this season, it's going to be on a guy like you know Travis Smith to get the most out of them. And you know Travis Smith was the guy that said that Travis Gibson is going to be starting to play both sides now, and he's going to teach or teach and kind of just refine the footwork that he's going to have to change up when he's now going on uh, the right side. Now, just doing little things to hopefully get the most out of a player that did show some, some progress when he first entered the league in his second year specifically. So I think with, with Travis Smith, he doesn't have the most to work with. Let's be completely honest, Mm -hmm. but you could still get a lot out of those guys. If you're just, again, coaching players the right way and, you know, demanding what, what flus, you know, has implemented into this Bears team is that his principles. So you do a little bit of combination of all those things, and then you could see hopefully some some highlights, some some flashes from this group where, like it's like I said, it doesn't have the most star and talent, but you could still make a, pr- a productive unit, especially because there are going to be a lot of rotations, and Travis Smith's going to be a big, big part of that. Yeah, and you mentioned – you know, Gibson, but what about like Dominique Robinson? What kind of jump Mm -hmm. can we see from Dom Rob in year two? And Travis Smith is going to be a key of unlocking and just getting Robinson in a position to make that jump, become more impactful. And the bears are hoping on it, banking on it because when they drafted him, notoriously raw, like it was just, no, like this is a raw guy, but the high end traits are there. Go coach him up. And we saw glimpses of it early on last season kind of fizzled out but that kind of happens you reach a plateau and now you have to bust through it and it's up to travis smith to help dom rob kind of bust through that and on top of that another new guy demarcus walker how much can he tap into demarcus walker is he going to be on the outside is he going to line up on the inside how do you get to you know leverage this talent because walker had eight sacks last season that was double the amount of the bears defensive line as a whole last year which you know Travis Smith was a part of that. He needs to turn that around here too. And it's just like you said, it's going to be up to Smith to figure out the best combination of players on the field, whether it be, you know, in specific packages or situations in game. And of course the bears run defense was horrendous last year. You got to sure that up. You got in billings. You have some other guys that can help, but again, it all comes down to coaching here first. And I think that's why Travis Smith is so important because if he can't figure out how to generate more pass rush, and if he can't stop the run, it doesn't matter about the new linebackers. It doesn't matter about 
having that strong secondary, the defense is still going to struggle because it all starts up front with Travis Smith's group there for the defensive line. Well, I really liked what you said there about finding the right combinations because that's that is going to be huge for for this group because they're actually there. There's a lot of interior guys, and you can actually put Demarcus Walker on the inside at times, but it's it is going to be up to like a guy like Travis Smith to figure out okay. Here's the down and distance that we're facing. Here's the team that we're facing. What combination of players is going to put us in the best position to make this stop? And that's a huge thing mm-hmm. because we we know it's going to be a lot of rotations, a lot of guys getting breathers. But at, when it comes down to having to make a stop on third down or you're at the goal line, how is Travis Smith going to put the right combination of players out there to make that stop happen? So that is going to be a big part of his job, and I'm looking forward to seeing him grow in his second year uh, with the Bears here. All right. I believe it or not, that's half of our list. We are just halfway done with the list of the 10 most important Bears. So let's get into our top five now. And Nick, I'll let you introduce coach number five. Yeah, coach number five I actually saw earlier today. But coach number <laughs> five uh, has a big, big task, um, someone that is going to be huge for the the entire season really. And that's quarterbacks coach, Andrew Janoco, a guy that is going also into his second year with the bears, but he works hands-on every single day with Justin Fields. When you mm-hmm. see the warm-up drills, Janoco's right there. He's sometimes handing the ball off to him or rushing, <laughs> rushing at Justin Fields to make him throw the ball on time. And it, you know, at the specific spot, but he's a big, he's a big believer in analytics in the three-step game the quick game how it needs to be approached and that's going to be a part of this bears offense and a part of the offense that needs to be a lot better and when justin fields janoko gets you talk about footwork hey that's going to be what what janoko is going to be working on in those position drills with with justin fields so it is a obviously a huge a part uh, he has such a big responsibility will um just mm-hmm. to get justin fields to be playing at his best in year three in the nfl but you know i I like to think, though, that when you do have a guy like Justin Fields, and I know, still unproven, still needs to show a lot, it's pro- is, is it make it is it a little easier to have like a talent like Justin Fields, or is it make it more difficult because he's so young? I kind of you mm. can see it both ways a little bit, but I I would like to think the hard worker that Justin Fields is, who wants to be a perfectionist at everything he does. For Janoco, it's like okay, I'm glad I get to work with a guy like this on a consistent basis. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different frames you can, like, look at this through. Like, is it easier because he has more talent to work with? I would say yes. But the challenge is, I I think the stakes get a little higher. The expectations Mm -hmm. are raised. So as a coach, like, the pressure is on because if Justin does struggle and if if some of that's his footwork, decision-making, and just not looking prepared, like, that's going to come back to Janoko, which, in my notes I put, is the right-hand man of QB1. Like, he is, like, that guy, and he's going to have the closest relationship with Justin Fields and, you know, building this year, and that's key for his success. And it's more, like you said, than the X's and O's. Like, he has to get Justin prepared mentally, physically, psychologically. Like, there's got to be, like, you have to be well, and all those facets succeed. And on top of that, he's like that liaison, the middleman between mm-hmm. Fields and Lugetsi, uh, making sure the communication between all three of those is on point and there's no miscommunication. There's no incongruences with thoughts and philosophies and beliefs. Like they need to be on the same page. And Janoko is going to be that guy to make sure everyone on both sides, his boss, Lugetsi, and his quarterback, Justin Fields, are all on the same page. And and just goes down to all those super nitty gritty details. We don't need to get into all those specifics, but it's just up to Andrew Janoko to tap into Justin. But luckily, I think you said it too. Like Justin is like the hardest worker in the room. He has a deep burning desire to be great. So that makes Andrew's job easy in that regard. But just keep finding ways to challenge Justin and allow him to reach different and new milestones. It's going to be key this season for, for the Bears really. No, it definitely is. And I think another part, it's just the teaching that goes into it. Like every time they go into the quarterback's room, it's making sure whatever message, whatever details are trying to be translated from Janoko, it's going into Justin Fields' ears, staying there. He's processing, knowing exactly what it is. And then it's relaying and showing down the football field. And that's a big part of it. Stuff that we, we don't ever get to see, but just how the message is being transferred from teacher to player and, you know, that's what Iberflus likes to call all of his coaches are teachers. 
that's a big part of it too. We don't get to see that, unfortunately, but you know, Janoko's going to be right there. Like you said, his right-hand man, even though he's a left-handed quarterback, uh, Janoko is, but he's going to definitely be a big part of hopefully Justin Fields, just being more comfortable knowing the offense and having the proper footwork, which I think is a big thing for this offense to really operate. And this is when you're supposed to plug in the article you wrote, like what, it was like a month ago about Janoko and Dustin Fields. And it was a great in-depth article, uh, good quotes, good stats. And, just, you know, go look up, you know, allcshow.com and you can search, you know, for Nick and then it'll be right. Yeah, up there hopefully it'll you. come up. I, I forgot the actual headline of it, but if you look up my name, I'm sure something will, will come up there for sure. It was, it was, or just Google Andrew Janoko, Dustin Fields, CHGO, and it'll pop up Boom. there too. Lots of ways to get there, but it was a good article that I stumbled upon earlier today i was like oh yeah nick wrote this that's why i defer to you there first so all right that's number five let's get into coach number four we're now really into the top five we got chris morgan offensive line coach you know we want justin to succeed and there's so many different pieces of it it's not just the quarterbacks coach matt nagy uh, i don't know why you're getting all upset about that and in, in there just just want to you know relax calm down it's okay uh, there's so many different variables about it but chris morgan the offense line success is going to be another vital reason why justin Fields succeeds or doesn't this season he needs better protection he needs those guys up front to be playing at a higher level this season and chris morgan has a few different challenges when you look across this offensive line whether it is a second year leap from brex and jones whether it's Tevin Jenkins making another positional switch and making sure it's a successful one too, Cody Whitehair going back to center and hopefully refinding some of that, you know, solid center play that we saw a few years ago, a new guy, Nate Davis and a first round rookie right tackle and Darnell, Wright. Like there are so many different unique challenges and that's just your starting five, Nick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Well, there is a lot of, there's so it's it's interesting because in OTA's mini camp there was consistency along the offensive line because everybody was playing the same position, but it's a lot of newness too at the same mm-hmm. time. And Chris Morgan, I, I like Chris Morgan how he approached his job. He was a big part of why the Bears got Darnell Wright went to go work him out, and you know that's why the Bears end up making uh, the draft pick with the tenth overall pick and Wright. But Morgan has his hands full. Like again, the Bears are very successful running the football last season. And that was with an offensive line that I don't that's not as talented as the version that he has now, but he also has guys like you just mentioned well playing at different spots or new guys coming in that now need to hopefully replicate that success and be even better in the pass in pass pro. So it's a big part on Chris Morgan to make sure all the offensive linemen are on the same page. Braxton Jones is now lining up to Tevin Jenkins. They have to establish chemistry with one another. Mm-hmm. Tevin Jenkins next to on the opposite side of, of Cody Whitehair now, as opposed to being at the right guard. So there's a, again, a lot of newness in this group, but I like the talent that they have and what they should be capable of doing in 2023. But Chris Morgan, like he's got to unlock that, make sure everyone's clicking, make sure everyone, you know, is on the same page. And if they can all do that, be one cohesive unit, you should see, Justin Fields stay upright to just throw more passing yards to be more successful in offense, longer drives. And that obviously will hopefully equate to more wins for the bears in 2023. Yeah. You know, eliminate the pressures the, that were just so consistently in the backfield last year. Obviously there was a good unit moving the ball on the ground. And I think Chris Morgan should get some praise and some kudos to for that too, because does the offensive line really help pave the way? Of course, Justin did a lot of very special things along the way, but in terms of like the running backs, like this unit was blocking really well in terms of like the ground game. We just have to calm down the pressures and figure out how to be a little bit more, you know, strong up front there. And I think we're going to see it. And we mentioned all the newness. And again, I think it's just interesting because you have the unique challenges. You have a rookie right tackle second year left tackle who was like a mid-round pick and then you have a free agent who was playing really well uh, in terms of nate davis a very solid player so it's not like you don't have to worry about him but you also have to make sure he's involved and feels like he made the right choice coming to chicago and yeah, the position switch and what about like lucas patrick like where's he fit in all this because he is like a leader of this unit like he, people do look up to him for like a, for that leadership and if he doesn't have a starting role I mean, heck, like we're still like, I'm assuming he makes a team, but again, it's not a lock by any means. Like, how does that dynamic kind of play into it, too? Because like last year he wasn't starting, but he also was kind of hurt. So that didn't play in, you know, super well. So it's just, I don't know, like all the other rooms are like, oh, look at all the talent. Easy, done, done, done. Or, you know, tap into this or develop here. 
offensive line, like every single position has its own unique circumstance that I think Morgan's mm-hmm. going to have to navigate, which makes his job very important uh, to figure it out. But and as we mentioned, I think the importance of his unit playing at a higher level to allow us to get that proper evaluation and potential growth from Dustin Fields is a big reason why both of us put him in our top five. Yep. No, I mean, I can't add any more to that. Well, um, Chris Morgan, you have more talent. Let's see what you could do with it. And, you know, obviously it, it takes more than just the offensive line to make that the offense run, but it starts with them. And so if Chris Morgan can get, get the most out of those guys, then you're going to see some, some much needed progress on offense. All right, let's get into our last break, and then we'll get into our top three. If you're good at process of elimination, you may have an inkling of who's in the top three, but do you know the order? But before we get to that, I want to let you know about Pins and Aces because they are the official golf apparel partner of All City and CHGO, and we love our Pins and Aces gear, and we get a ton of compliments both on and off the course. Uh, my neighbor is actually in a golfing trip right now, and I told him about Pins and Aces a few weeks ago to kind of prepare for the trip, and he sent me a text like, hey, I'm looking good out here. And I asked how he was playing, and I didn't get a response. So we, we may know exactly <laughs> how that's going here. But, you know, they are a family-owned golf and apparel business, Pins and Aces are. And they make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even our favorite beer sleeve, that innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside of your golf bag to keep those drinks cold throughout the entire round. And with the heat uh, that's kind of coming back here today, I definitely would need one of those sleeves so go check out pinsandaces.com use that code chgo to receive 15 percent off your first order and to get free shipping that's pinsandaces.com again they're a really awesome company with great golf apparel and we're going to transition from pins and aces over to ComEd because the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program, you know it, they are committed to helping families and businesses in the communities that they serve, helping manage energy usage and lower energy bills now and, well, into the future. That's exactly right, Will, and ComEd offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across the territory. ComEd also offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities like for HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. Yeah, Nick, obviously that was a lot of jargon. Can you explain how that works? <laughs> yeah, no, I got you. So first, an authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. And then within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. Each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback. So if you own a business, don't wait. Get started saving money and energy today for energy saving tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment all you have to do is go to comed.com slash powering biz. So did you just say uh, comed.com slash powering biz? It's exactly what I said, Will. So go schedule yours today. Awesome stuff there. Let's get into our top three. While we're doing that, if you haven't yet, let's give this video a thumbs up. Smash that like button for us as we're heading into this holiday weekend. You know, every button, thumbs up that you click, maybe it'll be an extra firework at the firework show that you go off to. I can't make the promise, but hey, maybe. All right, let's get into that third coach, and it's going to be defensive coordinator, Alan Williams. So he is our third most important. Obviously, he oversees the entire defense. He's going to be a bit involved with every single positional group, every single unit, getting those new linebackers up to speed, tapping into that strong secondary. And we talked about there are still questions at defensive line, and he's a big reason, like a, a big part of like getting those questions answered, Nick, on top of defensive play calling. That probably should have been bullet number one. Yeah, and I'm just curious to see with for Allen Williams, Will, there's more talent on the defensive side. It's not all the way complete. Like you mentioned, there is still that that stud pass rusher missing. But what is Allen Williams capable as a play caller? Because I bet, like, you know, asking Bears fans that you can chime in the chat, what are your feelings with about Allen Williams at this point? You saw what historically bad the Bears were last season, but also take into consideration, like, what was he really working with? So this is a huge season to see, you know, what – what Allen Williams can be as a defensive play caller. And 
you know, last year was his first year doing it, I think since 2012 when he did it for the Vikings. So it was, it was definitely a long time that he had actually been in that position before, but now we get to see what he can do with guys like Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards, Demarcus Walker. How are you going to utilize him on a down and down basis? And you have, like we were talking about the secondary, there are a lot of good pieces there, but it's going to be all about Alan Williams to just put that all together and, I don't know if you get this sense, Will, but when he does go up to the podium and talk and whatever you you believe from Alan Williams, that's, you know, your choice. But he comes across very detailed, very professional. Mm-hmm. He, he's a guy that and I, I think I wrote in one of the mailbags like he, there's like a head coach like presence to mm-hmm. him when he kind of, you know, goes up and speaks. And I think that resonates with all the defensive players that he kind of overlooks. So I like what Alan Williams is about. I just need to see it now. Now that there is that more talent, what can he actually do with, with this with this defense? And obviously the main priority, when you look at a Matty Refluse type defense, is takeaways and, and obviously the hits. So if we can mm-hmm. see more of that on a consistent basis, then I think you're going to be feeling a lot better about Alan Williams by the end of 2023. Yeah, and I think what... We'll- Okay, so I mentioned like the, the players specifically and the position specifically that are going to be challenging. But in terms of play calling, one area where I want to see either more aggression, but really just more success is third down and then the red zone. Uh, the Bears were the worst third down defense last year. Like they were allowing teams to move the chains on 49% of their third downs attempts. That's pretty much flipping a coin. And they're going to get it half of the time like that is unacceptable. That needs to be cleaned up. And he has the talent this year, at least at the linebacking unit, that's so much improved that can really help. But we need to see that tapped into and the proper plays uh, need to be called and in the red zone to their 27th uh, in the league there. So they need to find ways to just be a little bit more stout in those key situations, because if the Bears offense improves, that's great. But if you're still giving up 30 plus points per game on defense because you can't get off the field, because you can't stop them in the red zone we're going to have problems. So that's why I think Alan Williams needs to really kind of, you know, prove his worth uh, this season, at least for me. And uh, that's why he was up to number three, because he's going to be, you put all the preparation in all week, but on game day, it's going to be up to coach Williams here to make sure that everyone's on the same page and those right play calls are in place. And you're adjusting on the fly appropriately based off what the opponent shows you. So Alan Williams, huge vital part of the Bears' success here uh, on defense, if not the most important guy, in the room hence why he is number three anything else you move on to number two let's move on to number two will because i think again process of elimination one of two guys right now <laughs> it is special teams coordinator again no i'm kidding it <laughs> is head coach actually number two on our list head coach matt eberflus uh he actually did not rank number one nick why not it's a good question well um i think of Maddie Rafus and he has his blueprint like his blueprints are literally everywhere he goes mm-hmm. to the quarterbacks meeting defensive meeting wide receiver he's everywhere and the big reason why the culture is the way it is is because of Matt Eberflus and this is not a slight on him he's still number two on our list but I just feel like he's no longer obviously he's, he's not calling it defensive plays that's the guy that we just talked about in Allen Williams but again the whole defense that they're running comes from Matt Eberflus and how the offense, how they're going to approach that that game week. Like Matt Eberflus is also going to be in those meetings, but he's a, he's a huge part of what the, you know the Bears were able to do and just keeping the locker room last season. How he approaches it, pretty boring. Like let's be honest here, Matt Eberflus is a little bit more on the boring side, more of that kind of leader. Uh, if you're maybe if you don't like the hits principle, is a little corny for you, but he believes in that, and that's what his players have to show. To, in order to play on, you know, play consistently on, on defense or in an offense, right? But he is a guy that he he has a certain way of doing things, and if you go about it not in his way, then you're going to see consequences to it. But it, it's not a slight on on Maddie Rufus for being number two. We just, you know, have somebody listed just a step above him. Just a step in terms of importance, although it's weird because you think that the head coach should be the most important, but that's why we did the list and we both actually put him at number two. Like it was mm-hmm. a consensus here and we'll get to number one and probably explain why that coach is higher than Ibra right here. But 
In terms of Flus, like I, I just want to use this portion of the show just to express like I, I like his CEO approach of that being the head coach. Uh, we saw it with the the head coach before him who loves to live on our chat. Like you, you can get way too involved into something, and it makes you a less well-rounded coach. Like you're like if you're like an offensive quarterback guy, great. But if you're not able to understand what's going on defense or paying attention to the game and you're missing challenge opportunities or not calling timeouts and your clock management's poor, like you're going for it or not going for it and your decision making's whack, then the team's going to suffer. And mm-hmm. I think what Iberfus does, and we saw a mixed bag last year in terms of the results, and he can grow as a head coach and making these in-game decisions. But I did see a guy that was involved with the offense involved defense and and special teams and i appreciate the fact that he was able to watch and take in a whole game and delegate to his coaching staff that shows trust and the guys that you decided to hire to help run this football team and that trust factor trickles down to the players and that's why i really appreciate the the way that flus goes about his business here in chicago and the type of head coach uh, that he is and he needs to make sure uh, obviously that he keeps these guys engaged. He did a great job last year of making this team competitive in games in which they shouldn't have been. Even when they're in that losing streak, spirits were high. And that has a lot of importance here uh, on this team, that culture and that consistent, you know, not consistent positive energy, but just consistent keeping this team on track and everyone together and those bonds growing. And that's what we saw a little bit last year. I'm excited to see uh, those steps forward this season in terms of the culture uh, that is the Chicago Bears team because they do seem like a fun unit that is coming together. And mm-hmm. I'm excited to watch those next steps as they kind of get more involved training camp preseason and, of course, into the regular season. All right, that was number two. There's only one coach left, and you know who it is. It is offensive coordinator Luke Getze. Nick, why was he number one on your list? Because he's going to have the biggest impact on whether or not Justin Fields can really become, you know, this quarterback that a lot of people envision him being. And, yes, a lot is on Fields himself to make the right decisions, but, you know, there's something to calling a game, to putting plays together, learning from the last series, and, you know, having this chess, this chess match with a defensive coordinator to maybe scheme something up initially in the first quarter and come back to it to the fourth quarter. That's going to be all on Luke Getze and obviously the rest of the coaching staff. But it, he needs to really get the most out of Justin Fields in year three, Will. Like, it's that's that's as easily as how I can put it and how important this season is because if we don't see that jump, and you're going to you, maybe it's going to be part on fields, not processing as quick as you like or whatever. Maybe the receivers not getting or whatever, but it's going to come down to the play caller and Luke Getze and how how he's being how he's like calling plays. And I think a big, big challenge for him this season is that, you know, Justin Fields can impact the game it, on the ground with his legs. Mm-hmm. And that still needs to be a part of this offense. But you just need to be aware of when you're calling certain run plays. If you're at the goal line and having fields run power, like that's a that's a risky business move. Like you could you could do that at times, but you can't have that be your go-to. And that's gonna be on Luke Getze being comfortable with the rest of the playmakers he has and how he utilize them to really get the best out of them. But that's I, look, that was a long version of how I could have just said <laughs> he's gonna impact he's he's gonna have a direct impact with fields, but it it's all comes back to Luke Getze. It does. I mean, a you can just we can just rip it off here. I did it twice today. Play calling, <laughs> play calling. Like it's vital for the Bears this season. We saw stretches of brilliance last year from Luke Getzey, where like there's a few weeks where like all right, Getzey's coming on. Hopefully he doesn't get poached and he goes somewhere else because he's coaching so well. He's play calling so good right here, but. There are other times, like you said, like the power and just have you scratching your head, putting Justin Fields in unnecessary harm's way, maybe getting too conservative at times. And uh, again, we saw a lot of good. We, we saw some bad. And this is the year we need to double down on what was good. And I know they did that. And they're still evolving this offense. And the next evolution of this like scheme and strategy is going to be vital uh, here for the Bears. And gets these the top voice for the offense. These, you know, the playbook figuring out how to get the most out of this whole group of guys and, you know, get that Fields DJ Moore connection in full force and getting Fields to take that year three leap. Like there's just so many reasons. And last week we ranked the 10 most important Bears. Justin Fields, obviously, number one. So if he's number one, 
then the guy who has the most like say and influence and uh, on Justin Fields' success behind the scenes, Luke Getzey, I think it just makes complete sense that he would mirror the rankings we had last week to be number one on our uh, list here too uh, for the coaches. I completely agree. And another thing that I just like think of as you're kind of talking this out, well, is just rhythm. Rhythm's going to be big and Luke Getzey's going to play such a big part of, you know, Justin Fields being comfortable in a, in a drive in a play to play sequence. And it's how you're, you're mixing up the pass to run ratio, calling out the bootleg and not doing it when, you know, you have a unblocked defender who's right in Justin Fields face. Like it's going to be rhythm and knowing your personnel, what they're good at. And maybe you can call a certain play when, you know, a certain player is not on the field defensively. Like it's, it's a very complex job that Luke Getzey mm-hmm. has. And I would love to talk to him about like the things that we don't even know that make his job even more difficult because like I'm, I'm saying all these things and somehow Luke Getzey has to figure that out within what the, the play clock that, that yeah. happens each and every play. So extraordinary what they do. And, you know, obviously you see what could happen when you have some of the top play callers in the league and how successful like those offensive units can be. Obviously you have a great quarterback usually behind that, but we, we need to see it out of Luke Getzey this season. I think he has the offensive weapons this season to get the most out of that unit to show that this this Bears offense can take a leap in 2023. But, yeah, uh, kudos to um, Getzey and doing the job that he does because not a lot of people obviously can do that. And, you know, even in our chat, Will, there's some scrutiny about Luke Getzey and what he did last season fair. what he didn't do, which is fair, perfectly fair. So it's going to be a big year, just like all these other coaches we mentioned in our top 10 to see what they can do this season. Yep. And on top of that, too, I just want to like mention like last year when it gets he first arrived, we kept comparing like, oh, what can he bring from Green Bay? Like, what can we do here in Chicago? And now that he's been here a year and we, we saw the good and the bad. And I mentioned, like, I'm excited to see how he can double down on what was good and find those new elements of this offense. I don't want him to, like, figure out how the Bears can be what the Packers were. I want him to figure out how this unit can be the best Chicago Bears offense possible, the best Bears offense we've seen in a decade plus, right? Because it was about 10 years ago when they were second in the league in scoring. Uh, thank you, Mark Trespin, for a year of offense. <laughs> I n- never thought I was going to say that here on the show, but here uh, we are. I want to see that. And like you said, Nick, there's a lot of pieces here that make you believe it's possible and it can happen. But it's going to be up to get to to be the like the you know like the the puppeteer and, and get everyone on the same page and this thing rolling and firing again on all cylinders. So yeah, super duper important. Greg, what's up? Yeah, my my biggest thing with Getzy and, and and we talked a little bit about it with Eberflus on Wednesday when we were going over confidence levels on different guys, but we didn't talk about Getzy and I feel he falls under the same importance when it comes to his handling of Justin Fields, because mm-hmm. we all know he's the Ferrari and you can't overwork the Ferrari. You got to pace. It's a 17 game season. You want him to yeah. play in every game. You don't want to see injury. And when Justin started to take off, they got a little greedy with it. We all did as fans. We want to see it more and more slam the over on his rushing yards every week and make some money. But at the end of the day, it, they got too crazy with it and it led to him hurting his shoulder. Then he wants to come back before the bye week, you know, at the the green Bay game, which I thought was reckless at the time. I did not agree with that decision. And at the end of the season, you're playing this dance of, you know, should we play him? Should we not? And And to me like this year, there needs to be a balanced offense, but also just keep in mind, that Justin Fields is your Ferrari and don't overwork him. Like last year at the end of the year where he ran like 80 yards on the field against the lions. And then they run another QB design run where he runs mm-hmm. into a brick wall and he's like laying on the wall on the sidelines. Like I'm going to die. Like you have <laughs> to have a little presence of mind to take care right. of your quarterback. So that that's something of all the things we talk about with Getsy as far as scheme, I think that's equally important as them being responsible with their Ferrari. Absolutely. Really good points there, Greg, as well. But Nick, I mean, we did our top 10 before we kind of close the episode. Do you want to recap our top 10? You can go back from 10 to one or just go from one through 10. 
Yep, let me uh, pull up my document here. We had number 10, which again, it started off a little debatable for me, but we both had him at nine, <laughs> but he's 10 on our consensus list. Richard Hightower, the special teams coordinator. You have John Hoke, the cornerbacks and pass defensive pass game coordinator at number nine. Number eight was Tyke Tolbert, the wide receivers coach. At number seven, we had running backs coach David Walker. And then you go down to number six, which was Travis Smith, defensive line coach. Number five, quarterbacks coach Andrew Janoco. Number four, offensive line coach Chris Morgan. And then our top three, with three being, why do my missing Alan Williams on this list? You have a lot of praise here, Alan Williams, our defensive coordinator. Number two, head coach Matt Eberflus. And number one, offensive coordinator Luke Getze. Let us know in the comments uh, your thoughts on the list, if you have different orders or if you just have coaches that you think should be in different spots. We would love to check it out. I know we're ending the show, but I, I'm sure we'll peek in the comments. And if you put in your mm -hmm. list, uh, I, I, we would love to interact and respond to you there. I saw uh, a super chat came in. I didn't even see it at the time. It was really early. So, Steve, if you're still here, uh, hope that I will be, as in Will, on the podcast more while Adam's on vacation. You know, we'll talk to Nick and Karm, who'll be like primarily running those shows and I know we're doing some more remote stuff, so maybe I can mm -hmm. pop on there. I appreciate uh, your desire to have more DeWitt on the Bears podcast here. Thanks for the super chat there, Steve, too. But I just want to thank everyone uh, who tuned in here today on your Friday, heading into this 4th of July weekend. And again, if you haven't yet, definitely give this video a thumbs up. That helps us reach more Chicago Bears fans just like you. And, you know, the algorithms be weird sometimes. So definitely help uh, uh, and help us help us out. Uh, with our reach as much as you possibly can. I know we would both appreciate it. Uh, but another shout out to Greg Braggs behind the scenes for you know helping us out, throwing up these comments live uh, throughout it and all the other producing work that goes in. Uh, it's all super appreciated. And thank you, Nick, for helping yesterday getting this list in order because my power was in and out all day due to storms. And you stepped up and helped us, helped us get this spreadsheet in order. Yeah, no, I'm glad that the power is obviously back now, Will. Uh, hope everyone who tuned in, who listens, has a great 4th of July weekend. We'll, we'll be back next week, but enjoy your time off of family. And yeah, we'll we'll be back with all the Bears coverage so you know exactly where to go. Like Will said, hit that like button, leave some comments, and we'll be back next week. Sounds great. I'll definitely sign off here for us. So for Nicholas Moriano and Greg Braggs, this is Will DeWitt. I hope you enjoyed today's CCO Bears, CCO Audible podcast. We'll be back next week, but until then, bear down, Chicago.